Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by criminal justice reporter Emily Eaton. She's on the show to talk about her latest report on the arrest of the fire chief's son and subsequent review of wrongdoing on behalf of airport police. Welcome to the show, Emily. Good to have you back. Thanks for having me. This story kind of begins in the middle of summer, kind of at the height of the pandemic here. I know there's a lot to cover. Can I get a brief just recap of of what happened? Yeah, absolutely. So last summer in June, um, the fire chief's son was heading home to Colorado where he lives with his mother. And he was pulled aside by a TSA agent for a secondary screening because he didn't have an ID. And at that point, the TSA agent found a fake ID in his possession. And he called over an airport police officer and they began asking him questions. And according to the airport police, he provided false information to a police officer, which is a crime. So they arrested him on two different charges, um, both for a fake ID and providing false information to a police officer and took him to the um, magistrate facility where he would have been booked. And it's not clear what happened at that point because... In the months that followed, the fire chief, um, or we don't know exactly how it happened, but but this young man had the arrest expunged, and uh, we couldn't get a lot of questions answered about the incident or its aftermath. And so um, it's a little unclear exactly what happened, but that's what sort of led to the basis of this story. So my second question kind of goes away from the story a little bit, but just so we can provide a little context how do you go about getting getting the freedom of information requests and what was different about this one and uh, and how it affected the reporting yeah so after i heard about this incident i submitted three different records requests with the city of san antonio for information relating to what had happened i requested the police report Um, The citation, if one was issued, because usually a class C charge comes with a citation. And then also I had requested the contract for the review of the incident because I had heard that um, the city had hired an attorney to review if the incident was handled appropriately and if uh, racial bias had occurred because the fire chief alleged that racial bias had occurred. And so I submitted that request and around the same time, I reached out to a city spokeswoman and I said, Hey, I know that sometimes it takes a while to process these requests. Can you give me a general overview of this incident and why a review was launched and what they're looking into? And she acknowledged my email, but never provided any details. And several times over the following months, I would check in either with um, with her or another spokesperson and say, hey, what's the status of my request? Um, when can I 
when can I get some of this information regarding the review? And I could never really get an answer. And that's where, you know, sort of this was a little bit unusual. Typically, you know, we can get some of these basic questions answered. And also typically you can get a police report or you can get um, a contract under the state's open records law. So um, it took several months and ended, ended up taking about six months before I got a, re- a response on all of my requests. And that's pretty unusual. And so another part of the story that's really fascinating to me is that this somehow fractured the working relationship between uh, Chief Hood and Chief McManus. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, um, after the chief's son was arrested, the the police chief, this is according to several sources that we spoke to, the police chief um, called the fire chief as sort of a professional courtesy and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that your son was arrested and he's being taken down to the magistrate facility to be booked. That initial conversation, according to what we heard, was um, very professional. But a couple days later, the police chief called the fire chief back. And at this point, he had looked at the body camera footage to make sure that everything was handled appropriately. And at that time, the fire chief apparently was very upset. And uh, it led to a confrontation between the two. And according to our sources, fractured their working relationship. And uh, it, that's quite significant for a couple of reasons. I mean, they had been friends for a long time. They spoke very fondly, fondly of each other. And you would see them at press conferences and city events, speaking to each other, you know, being friendly with each other. And also, of course, they are the, two, the city's top two public safety officials. And the fact that they uh, have a very fractured relationship and according to some are barely on speaking terms is a concern for some. And then the third part of the story that there's a lot of parts of the story, but the third part is the taxpayer funded investigator that was um, uh, investigating the racial bias component of it. Can you speak on that as well? Yeah. So um, after the chiefs had these two conversations, the fire chief complained about the incident to city officials. And shortly thereafter, city officials ended up hiring an attorney to look into the incident to determine whether or not racial bias had occurred. And this whole review was shrouded in secrecy. It was very difficult to determine what the scope of the review was. And in fact, that it wasn't even clear to many people involved. So this attorney, her name is Daniel Hargrove, um, was hired in July. And we have emails of correspondence between an attorney that represented the airport police officer, uh, who was sort of at the center of this arrest, talking to city officials. And in it, he expresses uh, confusion about what this attorney was doing. He says, I have no, you know, I have no idea what Um, what this attorney is looking into. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's necessary. And, um, and he's, he, the city official responds, well, the person, the attorney is only looking into policies and procedures. They're not looking into any disciplinary matter. 
But later, when um, my partner, my reporting partner and I, Brian Chasnoff and I, got records back, it actually indicated they weren't just looking at policies and procedures. They were actually looking at um, the incident itself and whether or not the offer officers had acted appropriately. So um, a lot of our reporting about the reviews were centered on um, what, what it was all about and why it was why it was the scope of the review was not made clear to the people involved and also um, how the public didn't know about what was going on that, you know, like I couldn't get any answers about the review city council didn't know about the review. So um, that was obviously a cause of concern for many people. And I think it, it was doubled because at the time of the arrest, it was, the George Floyd protests had been going on. There was a lot of racial tension at the time. And so I'm sure that that has exacerbated everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You can certainly see um, how this came, at least to some extent came to be such a big issue because of what was going on in the country at the time. And because of the focus on police conduct um, the fire chief actually had started opening up around this time about his own experiences with racism. Um, he talked about, you know, working in Phoenix and having a, as a paramedic, um, he was a young man at the time, and having a, a person say, well, I don't want you to work on me. I'm a Georgia peach. And, um, and chief talked about how that experience and other experiences had really affected him over his career. And so, um, you know, those, those issues were really on the forefront of many people's minds at the time. And you can sort of understand why, why this incident, um, you know, called into question whether or not, uh, racial bias had occurred. So where does the story stand today? We're months into it. It started back in in what was it, June? Uh, Correct. In June, where, where 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 does this everything stand now? So we came out with our reporting last week, and um, we haven't heard a lot from the city officials. They've really been pretty quiet. And yesterday, Brian and I came out with a story from um, about the head of city council's public safety committee, and. She is calling on city officials to release the outcome of the review to the public and to brief city council on that. And um, she says she hasn't received a response so far. Um, and we couldn't really get any confirmation one way or another from city officials on if that's something that's going to occur. But um, it's certainly something that she wants. And, you know, we're hearing from a lot of readers and people on social media who are talking about the need for the city to be transparent in this matter. So because I mean, this was a taxpayer funded review, and uh, people feel like, you know, they're entitled to know the outcome of it. And lastly, I, I really want to talk, this is less about the story and more about you and Brian and what it's been like as journalists to get a hold of a story like this and, and kind of pursue it for months now. Uh, where, like, how do you feel about this journey you've kind of been on? It's been a frustrating journey, if I'm being completely honest. I you know, had received this tip back in August and had made several attempts to talk to the city about it and just to get basic information, just to say, hey, is there a review? 
and who's conducting it and why and what's the scope of it. And, you know, I, I could never get a response for months. I would check in every, every so often, every few months, either to say, Hey, where are my records? Or, Hey, can you answer these questions? And to never get a response was really frustrating. Um, and, um, you know, in the end, um, it was very rewarding to be able to get the story out and to be able to work with Brian, who is so well established in the community and, you know, just a really fantastic journalist. And, you know, I think that together we were able to pull this story together because, um, we, you know, we have, uh, sources in all different, all different realms and that sort of helped us look into this from many different perspectives and to be able to pull this together. Um, so, you know, it was a frustrating experience, but in the end, it was very rewarding to be able to get this out to the public so that they know what's going on in our city government. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I think this is a good place to end it. Uh, the reporting was fantastic. Um, and, uh, there'll be a link to the, uh, to the report in the, in this episode's description. Thanks again for joining the show, Emily. Thank you for having me.